91.1 Weagle presents the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Call now. You can follow Jacob and Bay on Twitter at Bay underscore Marks and at Jacob underscore Hillman 3. Now let's take a look at the scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. And we're live. This is Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Or if you are streaming live on WeagleFM.com, thank you for joining us today on the program. Bay Marks, as always, sitting alongside my co-host, Mr. Jacob Hillman. Jacob, what's going on? You know, it's been a interesting week. feels like it's been a long week. I think it's because it's my first five-day week in a, several weeks. At post-Labor Day, it's pretty easy. Just four-day weeks like that. Now five-day weeks. I'm feeling a little bit, but I'm ready to go today. Yeah, it's definitely been a long week. I think for me, too, looking up, uh, looking forward to the LSU game. Uh, I'll be traveling down there this weekend. We're going to get into that. But uh, long week so far. Got a lot of stuff I got to do on my plate. But nonetheless, it's the best time of the week, 2 o'clock on a Thursday afternoon here on WEGL. 91.1 FM, Auburn student-run radio station, live from the Bradley Basin studio. Speaking of Mr. B- uh, Bradley Basin, see him right now walking into the studio. Good to see him. Getting his playlist ready. Sure is. Turn, uh, Eagle on Weagle still, I believe. Yes. Yeah, great show by Bradley. But nonetheless, let's get into the scoreboard for today. Um, got a lot of stuff to talk about on the show today. We're going to try and pack it all in as much as possible. First segment of the day, boy, oh, boy. Homecoming on the Plains this last weekend. We're going to review that. Look towards the LSU game. Auburn survives. No, homecoming. no, no. It was a comfortable ten point victory for the for the Auburn Tigers. Yeah, that's would, what that's what it was. You would think so. Looking at this game uh, afterwards, if you did not watch, but holy cow, what a ro- roller coaster this was. The win probability just looks like a EKG over here, just bouncing up and down. <laughs> Um, but yeah, Auburn wins 34-24 against the Georgia State Panthers, who is uh, not shy at all to upsetting Division One football teams, and it dang near happened to Auburn on Saturday. Um, where do we even begin with this game? I really think that the difference from the first half to the second half on the defensive side of the ball, if you want to look positive, is what you want to look at first, because Jacoby McClain came back into the game, and that defense gave up 85 yards in the second half against only, not only, but 299 yards in the first half, 24 points, and then they pitched a shutout in the second half. So, positively, it shows me Jacoby McClain needs to be on the field. He's a leader. He is the heart and soul of this defense. Owen Papo is part of that, too, who did not play last Saturday. We don't know what's going to happen this weekend at LSU, but if Auburn gets both of those guys back, that's good news for the defense. Offensively, they weren't able to run the ball, and I really think that that, cause for the quarterback situation just to go down in, a, in flames and the T.J. Finley put out the fire. And we will see who the starter is on Saturday. Brian Harson has not announced that. I imagine that's kind of a strategic thing so that LSU has the game plan for both. But Coach O has said, hey, we're prepared for both. We played Bo, yeah. and T.J. was on our team last year. So it, it'll be interesting to see who gets the start on Saturday. Yeah, looking back at this game, I mean, first half, Probably couldn't have gone any worse for Auburn. No offensive touchdown. Uh, had to kick four field goals in the first half. Um, was down 24-12 to 12 at halftime. Defense was just completely out of place. Georgia State just was stacking the box against Auburn. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people didn't realize was um, Georgia State was consistently putting eight or nine guys in the box and kind of, kind of asking Auburn to run the ball. Really couldn't get Tank going on the ground. Sean Shivers finally coming back. Um, from being out. He got the ball running a little bit. Um, saw Jar close Hunter, but again, in the first half, nothing going offensively and a lot of boos uh, from the home crowd in Jordan-Hare Stadium. I don't know if you heard that in the yeah. press box. No, we could hear it. Yeah, but uh, and that's not a good sign, but like Jacob said, in the second half, 
Um, the change was made. TJ Finley did come out to the chance of TJ TJ. Um, and to be quite frank with you, in the second half, um, he it it wasn't really anything spectacular until that last drive, which that in itself was a solid drive. But I mean, nine for sixteen for ninety seven yards is <clears throat> nothing crazy for a quarterback and a half a play. Yeah, <clears throat> but like you said, that last drive to orchestrate ninety eight yards with two and a half minutes left. I mean, that's impressive. Yeah. It doesn't matter who you're playing against. Yeah, and he made several clutch throws falling down and rolling out into the sidelines. He also tucked the ball and ran, which I remember you and I, I don't know if it was on air or off the air, um, we were comparing the two quarterbacks, Bo and TJ, and you had said one of his weaknesses was he was a statue. Yeah. He kind of stood in the pocket. Well, we did see him roll out a little bit. We saw him move his feet in the pocket, which, I mean, that last drive completely just says, screw the sta- statue comparisons. I can move because he ran the ball, and then on the game-winning touchdown pass, that was all because of his scrambling ability that I didn't realize was as high as he showed it was. Yeah, I mean, he he really kind of showed some leadership there on the last drive of the game. Um, I mean, Auburn only scored one offensive touchdown this past Saturday, and it was the game-winning touchdown. Um, had two touchdowns, on one on special teams and one on defense that weren't offensive, but... Uh, it was enough, and TJ did show enough to, to give that argument. We, we heard a lot about it preseason was he can really spin the ball. Um, and he is a very intelligent quarterback, and they did kind of make a quarterback battle out of the fall and summer camps. Um, and obviously, Bo got the, got the nod. And to be completely honest, and we were talking about this in our group chat the other day, it was just the fact that um, after the Penn State game, we really talked about Bo didn't play a, a very great game but he actually progressed and looked at his progressions, kept his eyes on different receivers, and didn't just lock in on one guy. And this past weekend, it really seemed like with Bo Nix, he kind of reverted back to those old ways. It was weird, and you can't use, oh, he was on the road. We've always seen that. This was at home where Bo Nix has been extremely successful. So Against a Sunbelt team. Right, and it wasn't, yeah, exactly. It wasn't against Georgia. It was against Georgia State. Yeah. And we're going to have to see going forward what, what, what happens with Bo Nix because – with getting benched and possibility he could start on Saturday still. It's just going to be interesting to see how he performs now. Well, those two quarterbacks, Jacob mentioned earlier, Bo Nix's stat line, 13 of 27, 156 yards, and then TJ Finley, 9 of 16 for 97 yards and one passing touchdown. And he had that clutch two-point conversion uh, to put the Tigers up by three more. One other big note uh, coming out of this game before we move to LSU, Auburn fires their wide receivers coach, Cornelius Williams, right after the game a day later on Sunday. Um, Cornelius Williams, obviously one of the younger coaches on the staff, had six years of experience as the wide receivers coach at Troy before Auburn. Um, and Auburn is moving on to Coach Kissow. I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Kissow. Kissow. I think Kissow. Yeah. Um, but nonetheless, a very experienced coach to replace Cornelius Williams. Um, and boy, were there, was there a lot of finger pointing on social media after that news broke on Sunday. Yeah, and that's why social media is always rough to look at in a game like that is because – that's all you see is finger pointing. Who is to blame? And that's what social media wants to answer, but they don't know the answer to it because they're not inside the program. And, of course, we don't know the answer either right. because we're not inside the program. We just are outside observers trying to figure it out, just like anyone else is. And, you know, we'll find out. Hindsight's twenty twenty. We don't know if this is the correct decision or not, and that's why you have to wait and see. And even then, you still really don't know because – what if Cornelius Williams had stayed? We don't know what the outcome of that would have been. So it is a tough decision to make, especially four games into the season. But, you know, 
Brian Harson knows better about his program than we do. So yeah, and a lot of people, I mean, and to talk about the finger pointing, some main points people were pointing at was, well, if you're going to fire Cornelius Williams, why don't we go ahead and assess Derek Mason, Mike Bobo, Will Friend, all these other different coaches with position groups that have struggled this year, and and every position group this year has struggled. There's not a single position on the field, maybe besides linebacker, that hasn't struggled. Yeah. Um. So I think that's the biggest thing, whereas a lot of people on Twitter and, and social media were really kind of pointing fingers and asking, why him and why not them? Why not give him a chance? It was four games into the season. Um, but statistically, looking at the receivers, you don't really have anybody um, that has stood out so far this season. The leading receiver from Georgia State was Kobe Hudson, um, who only had five catches for 76 yards, followed by Shed Jackson with four for 70, and John Samuel Schenker, your tight end with two, which, to be honest, John Samuel Schenker's been your most reliable receiver who's a tight end. He really has, and he doesn't go... The, the issue with that is it's tough to get a big play with him. They haven't really used the seams like I thought we would with the tight end. He's been running those out routes, the little stick dump routes. Off. Exactly. Yeah. And that's good, because if you're efficient with that, you can get first downs easily. But... I would like to see him take a shot downfield. I'd like to see John Samuel Shanker try to stretch the field because I think that opens up a lot of areas for whoever the quarterback is, and especially those young receivers that are still trying to find their footing. I mean, yeah, Kobe Hudson had five for 76. Shed Jackson caught his first career touchdown, but it just didn't feel consistent. It didn't feel like they're reliable until that last drive when Georgia State was playing. It felt like a little bit of a pre-fitting defense, but it was still a perfect drive by T.J. Finley and the receivers. Well, you mentioned something about downfield shots, there, and a lot of people were criticizing. You know, One thing about Bo is he's never really been able to hit deep balls. Um, and we saw Javarius Johnson on one particular play this past weekend that was open and wasn't able to connect, and I, I believe there was a few other shots possibly. Um, but point being is that I feel like a, a big reason behind the Cornelius Williams move was also just stuff like that and not not being able to have, have personnel in there to get – schematically the right guys out there and get you know j just the right play calls and the right guys out there overall I, I feel like Brian Harson really didn't uh or wasn't satisfied with what he was seeing from that position group so who knows with this with this move maybe the uh receiver group will will improve maybe this is a year where we can't really rely on receivers um who knows it's gonna take time for the receivers because of the inexperience so yeah. Whether that's and that's the thing that goes back to Brian Harson knows his program better than we do, yeah, and he is able to see the development better than us because sometimes you get in the game and things aren't as you would see them in practice. So in the practice, they might not. I mean, a lot of play, a lot of fans might say, "Oh, it's because of the quarterback play." Well, you don't know what's going on in practice because you're not there watching it. And I really do think that Brian Harson didn't make this decision knee jerk. This is a thought out decision that. He made because he thought it was best for the football team. He did, and and he defended that statement. He defended what he had to say about the quarterbacks. He didn't really hint at who he was going to start at quarterback this weekend. Um, he was kind of being very, very dry and very vanilla uh, with the media this past week. But uh, moving on to game number five of the 2021 season, down in Baton Rouge, 8 p.m. kickoff Central Time on ESPN, Woo! live from Death Valley. Late one. Very late, especially if you're going to the game, hence me. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll be leaving Saturday morning for it. And which is nice because you are able to leave on Saturday and make it down for game time. It's only a six hour drive from Auburn, but that game's going to end past midnight. I'm, I'm just telling you, that's a four hour game, but you know how Auburn LSU games go. There's not a chance this game is finished up 4 11. And besides the quarterback uh, headline, the other biggest headline coming out of this game, Auburn still has not won in Baton Rouge since 1999, before I was born and Jacob. 
Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, you were a whole you were a whole year behind. But oh was, yeah, well was, over a year. I was three months, I believe. Yeah, about three months, maybe two and a half. But I mean, it's crazy to think that. I mean, that streak's older than we are. Yeah, I tweeted this, and it most of Auburn students were not alive for that. Yeah, I mean, much less remember it. And not and not to mention Auburn has definitely came close in that in that twenty two year span. Yeah, Auburn's had their fair share of chances for those eleven trips. I mean, down just, the just look through all the games. I think so, someone mentioned the the craziness of this matchup to Brian Harson. I was thinking, let's not tell Coach Harson about yeah. the history of this. I feel like it'd be better to go in with no prior knowledge because it was the whole fire thing. Someone mentioned there was a fire when the barn, the barn. burned down, and uh, or the old what was it called, the Auburn the Sports barn. Arena. It was, I think it was they, the nickname, but it was yeah. officially the Auburn yeah. Sports Arena. Yeah, and that burned down during the Auburn LSU game in '96. And Harson was very confused whenever he heard about that in his press conference. And like I said, may- maybe it'd be best just for him not to know well, and about you think, any craziness. And you think about the the matchups in that span. I mean, especially recently, 2019, probably one of the greatest football college football teams of all time. Auburn nearly beats him in Death Valley. Yep. 2017, Auburn hops out to a hugely in Death Valley and loses it. Um, I mean, just, just stuff like that. 2013, Auburn got down early, made a second-half comeback. It wasn't a close game, but... Just it was closer than the score indicated. Yeah, and point being is just, just the the way this game has gone in Death Valley. Now in Auburn's been a little less crazy. Um, you think? I mean, 2016. Oh yeah, sorry, I forgot about the Daniel Carlson. Yeah, t- game. 2016, um, 2012, even. Ugh. I mean, uh, look at the Auburn game. Look at the games at all. 2012's in the deleted file. They get a li- yeah, I know. They get a little wild. Yeah. So 20, uh, I mean, 2010 was. Not there wasn't anything out of the ordinary. It was just number four versus number six. It was six. just a great yeah. game. Yeah, um, but Auburn moves on to Death Valley. First time Coach Harson will ever visit um, down on the Bayou. Auburn trails the all-time series with LSU thirty-one to twenty-three, um, and LSU leads nineteen to five to one uh, in games played in Baton Rouge. And the home team has also won eighteen of the last twenty-one. Um, is that a telling sign for this weekend before we head out to break? And what are we looking for? I mean, it doesn't. I mean, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think that this is a huge game for both teams because of where they stand with their records. I mean, LSU last week almost blew a huge lead at Mississippi State. If they lose that game, I mean, Coach O might not be coaching on Saturday night. And this is also, this brings us back to that 2016 game I mentioned where Les Miles was fired the day after losing to Auburn. I don't think that would happen. With a loss already. I mean, I guess if Auburn went in and won like they did last year, probably. But I don't see that happening. I see Auburn keeping this thing close and having a chance to win at the end. And I think they do get it done. I don't think that's enough for Coach O to get fired. So I think that it's kind of one of those things where both teams, Auburn, they lost the game to Penn State. They almost lost to Georgia State. You've got to get a win here. LSU, you got to win it for your coach. I think the biggest thing is LSU has only continued to improve since that UCLA game. We've seen them I agree with that. improve just, just from an overall standpoint. They have an insane defense, a night game in Death Valley. It's going to be tough. Um, and when it comes down to the quarterback, I think it really comes down to what you see, it, see out of either of these guys. And I'll say these two things. One, Bo Nix has made 28 consecutive starts at quarterback going back to 2019. Two, he has also th- currently thrown 203 consecutive passes uh, without an interception dating back to last year. Um, that should have ended this past weekend with a few throws, but... Um, anyways, I think the key to Auburn is who plays at quarterback because they're going to have to deal with that tenacious LSU defense. 
and really the secondary with Auburn because Max Johnson is the real deal. We saw that at the end of the Auburn LSU game last year. We've seen that so far this year. That is a gunslinging lefty. Um, Prediction-wise, I'm going to go against you. I think Auburn loses a tight one in Death Valley. I think they lose it late in the fourth. I think another key is the running game. Get that quarterback comfortable. LSU's got a tough run defense. It's your game, Tank. Take over. Establish it. Yes. Establish the run. (laughs) On the other side of the break, Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman live on the scoreboard. We're going to look at the NFL. It just keeps on giving with some great games so far in the 2021 season. Don't go anywhere. The scoreboard, number number one radio show on the sports title, Weagle, 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find The Scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Welcome back into The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WEGLFM.com. This is The Scoreboard, Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as we just wrapped up our Auburn football discussion, looking back at the Georgia State game and looking ahead to LSU, but let's move on to some professional football. It's the NFL, what week is it, week, week four now? Yeah. yeah. The Panthers are 3-0. The Packers, I mean. Hey, I've, I've seen a few power rankings where y'all have been right on our, right on our tail. Yeah, y'all have bounced back well since the drubbing week, against oh, the Saints. Man. I mean, that happens. It just happens. Week one happens, and... It is what it is. So we're going to go in and talk about this week's matchup, starting with tonight. The battle of the previous two number one overall picks, Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. The Bengals are 2-1. and one. The Jaguars are horrible, 0-3. I think we know where we're picking here. Yeah, going with Cincinnati. I mean, Jamar Chase, the offensive uh, rookie of the month, he's really kind of turned it around since the preseason. Yeah. So um, can't bet against him in that uh, – uh, Joe Burrow and him connection, and hey, this is the first time that Joe Burrow and uh, Trevor Lawrence will have faced off since the national championship two years ago. So um, it'll be a good young quarterback battle. But again, the Jaguars are just awful. So I'm big in the Bengals. Yeah, Bengals for sure. Who has more passing yards, Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow. Okay, I'm just saying. Hey, no. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence is gonna have to throw the ball a lot when he's down 20 points in the third quarter. Hey, so. you're playing Alabama every week in the NFL, according to his head coach. Good point. Moving to Sunday. 12 o'clock start time. The Washington football team, a pair of one and two teams against the Falcons. The Falcons do not look good. No, they really don't. I mean, looking at the way they've played so far this year, week one, they played Philadelphia at home and got blown out. Then they played Tampa Bay and kind of hung in there, and they barely uh, hang in there and get a win with uh, the Giants last week, which isn't saying much. Um, I'm going to go with Washington on the road, actually. I think that they're going to be able to get it done. Um, I think that they're a better team, and I really think that Atlanta is probably going to be in the mix for another top five pick this year in the draft. I agree with that last statement, but I do think the Falcons get it done on Sunday. Really? Because, I mean, look at what Washington did last week against the Bills. Yeah. I know it's the Bills, but that defense well, is not what we expected it to be. Well, do you remember, was it was it last year? No, it was two years ago. It was our sophomore year when we kept the running joke of that was the best four-win football team yeah. in the NFL history, and yeah. now they're just not. <laughs> not at yeah. all. Moving on to an AFC battle. Texans, Bills, another bad team against a good team. How's this game play out? Uh, I think the better question is, do the Bills cover? And I think yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at home uh, with Josh Allen, who's really kind of turned it around since week one against Pitt, um, I think they're going to get it done at home. And it's going to be an easy win. Looks like there's some rain in the forecast, so we'll see if Josh Allen is sling- slinging it around, but maybe not. Not any cold rain, 69 degrees and, yeah. and raining. so a-, a nice temperature for a Sunday in New York. I think the Bills will cover as well. Moving on to an NFC North battle. 
Bears, Lions, Justin Fields. Holy cow. That was not a good showing last week. And the Lions are not much better. Well, we called it on our show last week. We said that we thought Justin Fields would get a nice welcome to the NFL by that Browns defense and yeah. those throwback unis. And I mean, Miles Garrett set a team record in sacks with four and a half. Four and a half, yeah. So, um, you know, he's at home this week. I think that Detroit's going to go in and win just because they have Jared Goff, an experienced quarterback. I think that they're going to win. Um, and I think the Bears will drop to one and three, and Detroit gets their first win against a division rival. I agree that the experienced quarterback will make a difference in this game. That's why I'm picking the Lions. So that's two upset picks for me so far. Colts, Dolphins. Dolphins. Quarterback situation's weird. Colts, quarterback situation is weird. <laughs> Which weird quarterback situation comes out on top? I'll go with the former Colt, uh, Jacoby Brissett, in this one, and the Miami Dolphins. They're at home. Uh, I just I trust the Dolphins right now a little bit more than I trust the Colts because I like them coming into the season better anyways. Um, they're only a two-point spread favorite, so watch for this game to be really close and possibly come down to the wire. Um, but I'll take the Dolphins in Miami. Yeah, I think this will be a, I think this will be one of those, like last week, the Dolphins and the Raiders. I yeah. think this game will be similar. Like, Which a lot of people didn't think that game would be as close. Goodness, no. And I, th- I think the Dolphins will come out on top because of the defense, and I think yeah. Carson Wentz will probably throw two interceptions. Yeah. Browns, Vikings, Browns coming off a dominating victory. They're 2-1. and one. The Vikings, they don't look like a 1-2 and two team. I feel like they should be 2-1, and 3-0, and oh, but here they are at 1-2. You know, and it feels like Minnesota has a lot of years that are like that um, where they get off to a weird start. Uh, I think Cleveland on the road takes this one. I think that they've kind of still got that salty taste in their mouth from week one. I mean, they didn't really play as, as well as they wanted against Houston. And then last week they kind of turned it around, kind of showed Justin Fields. Um, his welcome to the pros, and I think they're going to continue that dominant defensive performance against Kirk Cousins, um, and I think Cleveland gets a victory in Minnesota. I like the Browns as well. Nick Chubb, I think he's going to really keep running the ball extremely well. So, I mean, the Vikings are allowing 119 yards rushing per game. Well, and they got OBJ back now. They do. So we'll see how that kind of progresses with him throughout the year and see how healthy he truly is. So I'm taking the Browns. Moving on to... The first game back in the Superdome, and the Saints welcome a horrible Giants team. Yeah, horrendous. Uh, Like, losing to the Falcons bad. Um, Yeah. (laughs) 0-3 Giants on the road in New Orleans. I'm going to take New Orleans in this one. I think they kind of got back in their groove, uh, giving another rookie quarterback, Mac Jones, a taste of of their medicine, excuse me, up in Foxborough last week. Um, They really seem to have bounced back from the loss against your Panthers, Jacob, and I like them coming back home, especially after the Hurricane playing in front of their home crowd. Again, Running back, Alvin Kamara, running wild against a team allowing more than 100 yards per game. I mean, I feel like this is almost Saquon versus Alvin Kamara game, even though you've got two quarterbacks that are Jameis. Yes, he can take over. Daniel Jones, I think sometimes the Giants rely on him too much, and that's because Saquon hasn't performed, and I don't think he will this week either. Saints by two scores. Jameis can take over. Daniel will turn over. I like that, but also Jameis will turn over as well because it's Jameis Winston. Yeah. Titans, Jets, we're picking the Titans. Nah, how- man, don't, ju- don't jump the gun. Oh, God, come nah. on. Come <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach Wilson, how many interceptions does he throw this weekend? Uh, I say two. Yeah. I-, I don't think it'll be four, but I mean. You know, I think he'll improve. I think one interception this week instead of multiple. Uh, and also looking at, I mean, Tennessee's pass defense, I mean, they allow 276 a game. I mean, that's definitely their weak point, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Their front seven is a lot stronger. So maybe Zach Wilson will have a better week at home, but I still think Tennessee wins this game regardless. Yeah, I, I agree. Titans, the, Titans by 10. It, is it? I just want to stop for just a quick second. Is it overreaction time to say that move on? or To say move on, yes, it's a little overreaction. 
But to say this guy is not it, sure. Yeah. It doesn't mean to move on from him to say he's not it, but man. Yeah, I guess something figured out. Up he there. does not look good. Not at all. The hold on. Pause for dramatic effect. One and two, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh that's your travel. bottom of the division. Yeah. Kansas City Chiefs too. Travel to the Philadelphia Eagles. Leaking financial field following a loss to the Chargers. It's still the same old Chiefs, isn't it? Uh, Ooh, it, it, hesitation. <laughs> I mean, my thing is just, I think Patrick Mahomes and crew, I mean, you saw Patrick Mahomes on the sideline last weekend. Yeah. He's not happy. No, he's not. He, can't, this is he not shouldn't the, be. They have not played like the same Chiefs team that they were last year heading to the Super Bowl. Um, now, does that say they take a loss in Philadelphia this weekend? No, I think Jalen Hurts and company are still lagging behind from that loss in Dallas. I mean, what an embarrassing loss that was. Um, I think there's a lot more questions to be answered for Philadelphia than we thought after week one when they played in Atlanta. Um, and I think Patrick Mahomes and the company, they're playing with a fire under their rear end, and I think they moved back to 500 this weekend in Philadelphia. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Philadelphia still got some time to work things out. I think Jalen Hurts looked decent on Monday night. In a, That's in, just a in tough a Dallas defense to play against this year. That Dallas, we're about to talk about them because they play my Panthers, but yeah. I think that the Chiefs win this one close. I think it's going to be a close game. to spread seven. I think they win by four or three. So, Did you see Stephon Diggs talking crap to his former teammates to that game? I did not. Yeah, to uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen. Oh, Trayvon Diggs, yes. Oh, sorry, Trayvon. 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 Sorry, not yes. Stephon Diggs. His cousin or brother. Brother, brother yes. Yeah. Well, speaking of those Cowboys, they will be hosting my Carolina Panthers, the undefeated Carolina Panthers, as I think this is their first true test. I think this is their first loss. Um I think it'll be close just because I think I think Carolina's got a lot of uh, unrecognized momentum um, yep. over there in the NFC South. And I think Dallas is kind of, I mean, I know we say it every year, but the way that they've played so far this year and the opponents that they've played, I mean, they played at Tampa Bay, played at Los Angeles Chargers, and hosted the Eagles. I think that they're kind of one of the real deal teams in the NFC, and I think they're going to give you all y'all's first loss. It's not a blowout, but it'll be pretty handedly. I'm buying in. Whoa! I'm buying in. Panthers, their schedule, looking ahead, I mean, they're going to be 8-0. <laughs> they're going to be 8-0. If they, if they beat Dallas... 7-1, and one, this game... For you. If they beat Dallas, they will beat Philadelphia. They will beat Minnesota. I guarantee you they're beating New York and Atlanta. Yeah. So that now puts the, them at 8-0. Now, those other games, I'm way more confident in. This game, though, it's just... This is the only game. Hey, look. Out of those first nine games. 9-0. They play the Patriots at home. Mm. At home? We'll see. We'll see. Okay, then th- their first loss will be to the Cardinals in Week 10. All right. Panthers, they're going to continue to undefeated streak against the Cowboys. And let's go to the afternoon, and let's look at your team, the Packers. Packers hosting Pittsburgh. They've got a lot of momentum after coming out of Levi Stadium with that huge win in the last segment with Mason Crosby's super accurate leg. I think Green Bay and Aaron Rodgers, who's played so far so well since that New Orleans game, 650 yards for six tutties and two picks, and a crumbling Ben Roethlisberger, they're going to get an easy win at home. Yeah, I agree. I think it's going to be an easy win for the Packers. Moving on to another afternoon game, Seahawks, 49ers, two NFC West matchups. Let's do this one first. Huge divisional matchup. If the Seattle Seahawks can win, they get back to 500 on the year at 2-2, two and two, but it's not going to happen. Jimmy G and company with that comeback this past week, I think gives them a big confidence booster even after a loss. They take this one at home on Fox. Yeah, Seahawks, two straight losses. I wonder if this is the start of the downfall of the Seahawks and Pete Carroll and Russell we've, Wilson? We've seen some teeter-tottering, especially last year with how hot they started and how bad they ended. Yeah, see, and this thing, they could get hot anytime. I'm stopping in the 49ers. It'll be a close one. Rams, Cardinals, quickly. 
Cardinals. No, I'm sorry. Rams. Sorry. Yeah. Rams. Uh, Matthew Stafford. Yeah. He was a huge difference maker. Are they a Super Bowl favorite right now? If they win this game and go on and beat another good team, sure. I'm with you with that one. But not yet. Yeah. Not yet. All right. Ravens, Broncos. Are the Broncos the worst undefeated team of all time? <laughs> well, I mean, it's funny because they have Teddy Bridgewater, who everybody was crapping on last year with your Carolina Panthers. Um, you know what? Who, who do you have? I've got the Ravens. Okay. Lamar, Lamar's going to run crazy. Okay, I'm just making sure. Lamar, the way he's played lately, I mean, he's a team-leading rusher and passer, I believe, right yeah, now. Yeah, he is. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with Lamar. All right, quickly. The GOAT versus the GOAT. Tom Brady versus Bill Belichick. <laughs> Bucks or Patriots? Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Easy. Bay. Tampa Bay's Especially with all that drama that they're, came out the past way, week. Yeah, they're way better than the Patriots. Yeah. That does it for our NFL Week 4 predictions. On the scoreboard, you're listening to WEGL 91.1 FM. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back to the scoreboard, WEGL 91.1 FM. Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks live from the Weagle studios in the Auburn University Student Center. If you've missed the first half of today's show, feel free to go and listen to the playback wherever you may find your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, just search the scoreboard or WEGL and we'll be there. If you want to call in and be a part of the college football discussion predictions, which we did skip, skip over in uh, segment two. We no, I'm going to tell you, Justin Herbert's going to win that game. Oh, yeah, that too. We missed the Monday Night Football game too. That's on me. Uh, I want to take the Chargers at home and stop Derek Carr's momentum um, just for the dramatic effect about it. But we also <laughs> skipped college football predictions, and that's on me as well. I'm just out of it. I, I told you. Hey, I've it's a long, long week. week. It's a long week. It's been a super hey, long week. We're getting to it, so that's all that matters. <sighs> Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely. Slowly but surely, Auburn will win in Death Valley for the first time since 1999. But if you want to dial into today's show right now, you can call in at 334-844-9345, 334-844-9345. Those last four digits spell out Weagle, and we can start talking about the college football predictions for Week 5. Tonight, huge ACC matchup at 630. Miami hosting Virginia, a Miami team that's really fallen off since the opening week kick against Alabama. Who do we have this one down in Miami? Yeah, I think that this is going to be a kind of a barn burner where both teams score a good bit of points, but it's not the most pretty football. But I do like Miami in this game. Yeah, Virginia has looked really bad the past two weeks against Wake Forest and UNC, but I think it'll be a gunslinging battle between Brennan Armstrong and De'Aaron King. Armstrong with already 13 touchdowns and nearly 2,000 yards so far this year. I mean, oh my goodness. So um, I'm going to take Miami at home, though, just because it's a home game, and I think Rhett Lashley and crew will be ready um, for that one. Tomorrow night, Friday, October 1st at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports. or Is that Fox Sports or Fox South 1? FS1. Fox Sports FS1. Whatever it is. It's a huge Big Ten matchup. Number five, Iowa. Yes, number five, traveling on the road to Maryland and the younger Tagovailoa brother trying to defend his home turf. Yeah, I think Iowa's good. I think Iowa's good. They're so for real. Talia is not going to get... He's a notable win this Friday night, but Iowa, not, not to fret. They are a good team. Yeah, they have a very balanced offensive attack. Uh, they average nearly 300 yards per game. Tyler Goodson carrying the load of running back with already five touchdowns this year. And he also balanced that with the passing game of Spencer Petrus. Um, I really think they're going to come out on the road. I think it'll be close. Uh, Maryland played a uh, very close game. Um, trying to see who it is right now. It was a few weeks ago against Illinois. They came from behind and won it at Illinois, so don't underestimate them. Um, that two-minute offense of theirs. But I do think Iowa on the road gets it done. Some really good matchups this weekend, folks. Ooh. Saturday morning at 11 a.m., which it kind of stinks that this is an 11 a.m. matchup, which Auburn might be against this team next week, too. 
which really sucks. Yeah. Um, we, well, here, it's a good thing for us fans, as Auburn fans, because 8 o'clock start time, we can watch all the 11 a.m. games. Yeah. So, 11 a.m. kickoff. Arkansas traveling to Georgia. I believe this is game day. Jacob, correct me if I'm wrong. That is correct. So, uh, in Athens, a uh, red, probably red hot, not white hot, red hot Arkansas team. <laughs> uh, trying to think of their color scheme there for a second. Traveling to Georgia in that insane defense. Um, and they are also an 18.5-point favorite against the Razorbacks and Sam Pittman. So, this game is so tricky for me. Can we just point out that you and I also did pick them to win last week? And we they did. We did. Against Texas A&M. Yeah, we did. Okay, so go ahead. They're tricky because I think that Arkansas is on the come up. I mean, he shows. They're number eight in the country. And, you know, we might look back at this in week 13 and be like, how in the world was Arkansas top 10? I don't think it's going to happen. I do think that Arkansas is a good, solid football team, but they are not going to do much offensively yeah. at Georgia. Yeah, and I'd, I really would have been interested to see if this was a night game, like a blackout. Holy cow. I mean, the atmosphere is still going to be crazy. Oh, no, yeah, without a doubt. It's just, you know. You're right. There's nothing like a blackout it, in Athens either. It's tough. So I'm picking Arkansas to cover, but not win. You know, and I will take that as well. 18, 18 and, and a half. half. I'll pick them to cover too. Um, Georgia might score 21 points and win 21 to 3. I think... Traylon Burks and K.J. Jefferson are the reason that they stay in this game. I mean, Traylon Burks been one of the nation's best receivers so far this year with that big frame of his. Um, it's just Georgia's defense, man. I mean, their offense, yeah, they've put up huge points in the past two weeks, but it's against Vandy and South Carolina and UAB. Um, but I'll take Georgia at home, and I like that prediction, Jacob, about Arkansas covering. I think they cover. I think it's a 14-point game for Georgia. Yeah, I like that. I, I think like Arkansas that. scores towards the end. and 24-10. Something like that. Yeah, not a not a pretty game, but it'll be a very good defensive game if you like defense. <laughs> Moving on, Michigan traveling to a once-ranked Wisconsin team. Michigan all the way up to number 14 traveling in a Big Ten matchup. Yeah, I like Michigan in this game because Wisconsin, I mean, they lose to Penn State, and then they get blown out by Notre Dame, which, watch that game, it's, it's, it's a wacky one. I mean, it was only, I mean, Wisconsin was tied going into the fourth quarter, and then they lost 41-13. to Yeah. What? Yeah, it was. What? Yeah, yeah that, that's how that game went. The only, and, go ahead. No, I was going to say the only tricky thing I would say about Wisconsin versus Michigan looking at the resume so far is one of them's played two ranked teams and one of them hasn't. Right. I just don't think I don't think Wisconsin's offense is it this year. I think Michigan will be able to handle that enough and get the win. I think Michigan takes this game on the road, but it's going to be super low scoring. Wisconsin I don't think, is a two point favorite. I know. I did see that. I don't think either team scores more than 20 points. It'll be very low scoring. Wisconsin's got a great rush defense. Um, I think they take this one on the road. Moving on, a top 10 matchup because somehow Notre Dame just continues to stay in the top 10. Number seven, Cincinnati traveling on the road um, for yet another uh, huge matchup on the road that they've had this season. They've already traveled to Indiana, which was hyped up. Now they're traveling to the Fighting Irish in South Bend. Give me the Bearcats. I'm with you on that one. I don't think Notre Dame's that good. Like you said, how do they stay in the top 10? Well, it's because they win against Wisconsin by 30, but... This week is their true test because Cincinnati is is one of those teams that you think, oh, it's a group of five school. They're going to be talking all that smack. I think they can back it up. Yeah. And I think they're going to show that this season. I think this game's going to be won by whoever can put the ball in the air more and better. Uh, I like Desmond Ritter. It's going to be him and Cohen against each other, some veteran quarterbacks. But, again, Ritter and that Cincinnati Bearcat offense, I mean, they're averaging 43 points a game and only giving up 15 I think it's going to be a super close game on NBC at 1.30, um, but I also do like Cincinnati in this matchup. Moving on, 
the 2.30 CBS game of the week for the SEC, number 12 Ole Miss and Matt Corral and Lane Kiffin traveling to T-Town against Nick Saban and his once again ranked number one Crimson Tide. Over under of 79 points. Let's answer that one first. Let's get over <laughs> that 79 mark. Yes. I think so, too. Let's go for it. I think so, too. Now, I will say, Alabama's defense is stout this year. They are. I think that they have what it takes well, to slow down Matt Corral. Yeah. But I don't think enough. I think Alabama's going to put up a ton of points, too. Yeah. I, I, I They're not Georgia good, but they are still a very, very right. good defense, giving up less than 300 yards per game. Um, two Heisman frontrunners. You could argue that these two guys are, are the two leaders. Yeah, they're the top two guys right now. Um, honestly, an interchangeable order. You could give a case for either of them right now. Um, I'm going to take Alabama at home um, just because it's in Brian Denny. If this game was in Mississippi, <laughs> I know. I'd roll with the Rebels. Yeah, I can't pick Ole Miss at, at, at Brian Denny, but if it was in man, Ole Miss, I'll, good. T- I'll tell you. I Well, remember last year's game? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I think that Ole Miss has a chance to win this game. I'm not saying. Oh, no, yeah, yeah. I yeah. really think that Ole Miss is going to keep this close. I mean, I think Alabama wins by. Less than one score. So let's see what Jerry on Ely does in the backfield. Don't forget about him, one of the better running backs. Oh, uh, uh, Florida did run for 280 on Alabama. So I mean, I'm telling you, it, it's that's going to be a good game. If it was in Mississippi, you would not be able to change my mind um, that Ole Miss does not win that game. <laughs> Moving on, another top 25 matchup at 6 p.m. on ESPN2. Baylor traveling to the Oklahoma State Cowboys. And I mean, that's, that's a top 25 team that's undefeated, and so is Baylor. And last week, we were picking the Baylor and Iowa State game, and I picked Baylor um, to win at home, and they won by two and picked that upset. Yeah, and here's the thing. Iowa State probably isn't very good, but I do think Baylor has shown the capability that they can beat a team that they probably shouldn't beat, and I don't think they should beat Oklahoma State. With that being said, I'm taking Oklahoma State. Wow. Okay. I'm going to take Baylor on the road. I'm going to ride with the Bears. I think Abram Smith's going to get it done on the ground. And I think that's where this game, um, that's where the difference is really made. Baylor's rushing for almost 275 rushing yards per game. Um, and I think that they have a lot of momentum with that Iowa State upset. Now you can make a case for Oklahoma State as well this season. Um, I like Spencer Sanders. Yeah. I think Spencer Sanders is a solid quarterback, too. Four touchdowns so far this year, almost 600 yards. Um, also, just because of my namesake. The acronym, or not the acronym. Uh, initials? The, not the initials. What are they, what's it called on the scorecard uh, down at the bottom of the ESPN graphic, like when they put a abbreviation? Okay, yeah. They abbreviate Baylor as Bay. Oh, um, okay. Oh, uh, that's the reason. Well, he, no. <laughs> here's my theory. Here's my theory. If there's a if there's a toss-up game and Baylor's involved, Fair. I'm going to pick Baylor. Fair enough. They haven't let me down, okay. except for the, uh, the Oklahoma game. Uh, Three years ago. Oh, yeah. When they hosted Oklahoma. True. Yeah, they, they definitely let me down. That is true. Um, I wonder if I picked them, but I think I, I think I did. You probably did. Uh, another ranked matchup, or one team is ranked, in the SEC, Texas A&M coming off of that loss, um, hosting Mississippi State, who is just, uh, they're, they're bad. <laughs> this is a must win. Yeah. It absolutely is for Texas A&M. If you lose this game to a bad Mississippi State team, I mean, hey, did you see the graphic today? What's that? Kevin Sumlin and Jimbo Fisher both have the same exact record through 60 games. I thought Jimbo Fisher was a way better coach than Kevin Sumlin You would was. think. Yeah. You would think. Yeah. But based off the record and the bowl victories, they are the same That's caliber. Very, that is a very interesting set. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm completely with you on this one. If you look at their schedule, they have Mississippi State, and then it doesn't get much easier after this. They host Alabama, have two SEC East opponents, and then they play Auburn, Ole Miss, a cupcake game against Prairie View A&M, and then they have to travel to Death Valley. 
And this is a Texas A&M team that a lot of people were hyping up before this year. Um, Jimbo Fisher squad and Isaiah Spiller and company. So um, I'm going to take them at home, but it's just interesting to point this game out just because of that schedule um, that they do have following them for the rest of this year. Yeah, I agree. I think that Texas A&M wins this game pretty easily. I mean, minus seven might not be enough. I do think Isaiah Spiller will run wild on Mississippi State. And, hey, even whoever the quarterback is for Texas A&M, I I imagine it'll be Calzada. I think he'll throw for a good bit on it. But I do think that Texas A&M is in a tough spot. Really quick, and this is also another underrated matchup on the weekend. Penn State, who jumped up to number four this past week, hosting Indiana on ABC in a night game in Happy Valley. We're going to find out a lot about Penn State on Saturday, but I do think Penn State takes them down. I do, too. It's going to be interesting to see the quarterback battle between Clifford and Penix Jr., um, but yeah, I think this game will say a lot about Penn State and if they're for real or not this year. Definitely. On the other side of the break, Jacob Hillman and myself, Bay Marks, we go ahead and we talk about some MLB postseason. It's coming down to the wire, folks. Don't go anywhere. Jacob Hillman and Bay Marks live on WEGL 91.1. One more segment before we turn off the scoreboard for the day. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. We hope you have enjoyed listening. You can listen to us every Thursday at 2 p.m. on WEGL 91.1 FM or at WEGLFM.com. Back live in the Bradley Basin, WGL 91.1 FM studio. I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks for the last segment of today's edition of the scoreboard. Join us every Thursday from 2 to 3 o'clock as we discuss all the happenings in sports. But we are going to dive into MLB postseason races as the best sports month of the year begins. Is there 31 days in September or is there 30? There's 30 days. So tomorrow, the best sports month of the calendar yes and we're gonna lead off with bay's red sox because man they are in a battle for that wild card spot me and jacob were talking about that during the break was just the fact that ever since the all-star break we've just haven't found a consistent rhythm and we finally get uh above the yankees in the wild card standings and then we have a home series with the yankees and we just we lay a big old egg i mean we couldn't have done any worse in that series um, and, of course, they are one game ahead of us right now. In the American League wildcard race, and then after us, uh, the Seattle Mariners, whew, they're right on our tail, and then the Toronto Blue Jays are a game back, um, and the Mariners are half a game back. But And they've won four in a row. Yeah, so they they're, are, hot. they're red hot right now as well. I mean, it's really put up or shut up time. And looking at the schedules, I mean, this thing's coming right down to the wire. Um, for the Red Sox, I'm trying to pull up their schedule right now, so I do know exactly what days those are. Today. Well, play. Orioles are today. Orioles are today. And then this upcoming weekend, we play at Washington. Um, and that's that's pretty crucial. It's a Washington team that hasn't played great this year. So it'll be interesting to see what the Red Sox do. Um, now they're at full health with, health with their pitching staff. And that's what I was telling Jacob during the break, was just the fact that even since the All-Star break, we've gotten Chris Sale back from injury. We also acquired Kyle Schwarber. Um, we still have Rafael Devers, Xander Bogarts, and that core group of guys still playing very well. It's just, it seems like one night something's just not clicking for the Red Sox up there in Boston, and um, it's just it's not going Alex Cora's way. And, I mean, you really can't compete with a healthy Yankees team either. I Ooh. mean, that was kind of the biggest problem with, with that last series against the Yankees is, is they're pretty much at full health now for the most part, and that's kind of hard to compete with, especially with a, a very baseball-minded manager in Aaron Boone. Yeah, and it just it stinks from a Red Sox perspective to see the Mariners just catch fire right now. They've got three games against the Angels left, and that's a, again that's a very a winnable, very winnable series. series. Yeah, and we're gonna see 
What they do. I mean, looking at uh, ESPN's projections, the Red Sox have a 75.9% chance to make the playoffs, while the Mariners have a 19.4% chance, which I think has to do with the Red Sox playing the Orioles today and then three at the, at the, at the Nationals. Yeah, and they're terrible. They're 65 and 94. So I just, it's hard for me to trust the Red Sox right I th- now. I think we make it. Mm, I do I, too. I truly think, I think the Red Sox will make it. Um, but it might be by the. Just by the skin of our teeth, yeah. and I'm going to be completely honest. If we're playing, and and who knows, New York's. I mean, New York is not in it. They are definitely eighty two percent. they are definitely subject. And look uh, who they play. Yeah, they are. They are definitely subject to not make the playoffs either. I mean, they're finishing at Toronto tonight. They're already one one against them in that series. So it'd kind of be nice. Well, actually, if Toronto wins tonight and the Red Sox lose, then I mean, they're in the wild card spot. So, but then they finish off against the Tampa Bay Rays, the AL East champions for this year. Um, so they aren't subject to immunity either from being kicked out of the playoff race. And and I'm going to be honest, if the Red Sox and Yankees face off in a wild card game in Yankee Stadium, beginning half of this year, we were talking about the Red Sox having not lost a game of the Yankees. I, I think we were 9-0 and or 9-1 and against the Yankees at one point, and it, the script has just completely flipped against those guys, and I don't see the Red Sox winning that game. So give me your two wild card teams and who hosts, because right now anything could happen. I think that the Red Sox and the Yankees um, will make the playoffs, and I think the Red Sox host just because the Yankees have to play at the Rays, and that's a much more difficult series than having to go to Washington. Um, the only thing I hope for the Red Sox is they don't lay another egg against a team that has nothing to lose. I want to pick the Mariners so bad. So bad. Because, I mean, just look at their history. They have not won anything. Yeah. They've had the Griffies, but... And King Felix more recently. Right. But besides that, there's been nothing. I want them to be successful. Yeah. But I just don't. I think this four game hot streak is kind of, it's going to wear off for this last series. And, and I agree with you. I think the Red Sox will be hosting well, the Yankees for the wild card spot. The thing is, too, also, and the other team we've been talking about in this race with Toronto, they're playing again tonight against the Yankees. And I don't see them winning that game. So that's going to put them another game back of, of first place in the wild card race, anyways. But they also finish at home against Baltimore. So they're not even out of it. And they, they've got three uh, home games against the Orioles. Yeah. And they're only one game back of the Red Sox for that second wild card spot. You got to sweep. This might be one of the craziest No, they talked about wild card races in a while. There are some scenarios where you know there's a four-team tie in play. So for the most chaos, you want three. Because if, if three or more teams finished 162 games with the same record, there will be tiebreaker games played starting Monday. Pl- tiebreaker games. Games. Game. Multiple. Games. Uh, to determine who faces off in the wild card matchup. And I'm pretty sure if it's three, then it's basically, so for example, Yankees, Red Sox, Mariners. The Red Sox and Mariners play. Whoever loses that game is done. And then that team goes to New York. Like working your way up a ladder. Pretty much. It's wild. Maybe we'll finish. I mean, it's it's very viable and very, very possible. Yeah, I mean, the team that's leading plays some of the three games against the best team in baseball almost. Like, absolutely. And it's, I'm pulling for the chaos. I mean, I am too. I, as long as my team will be into the playoffs, right. that's fine. Um, and then you look over on the other side of the spectrum with the National League, and there's not much to talk about there besides the Cardinals streak ending. Yeah. What, I mean, nobody's been talking about that. I know it's because college football is on. I know the NBA has been kind of coming back with the media days and stuff recently. But did it end at 16 games? Do we think that they, because the Dodgers and the Giants still are kind of battling back and forth for that for that spot. 
Can the Cardinals beat one of those two teams? No. I, I agree. That's why no one's talking about it. No one believes they're going to beat yeah. that second NL West team. It's just cool to see a team like that. I mean, I think, what was it, 2.4% at the beginning of August? It was like the Nationals. Hey, it was like the Nationals when they won their World Series. Just parallels. Yeah. Just saying. And the Nationals had to go through the Dodgers. Yeah, they did. They the did. Cardinals might have to go through the Dodgers for one game. Yeah. So, but I don't. I don't think the Cardinals are better or good enough to be either of those two teams. Me neither. I agree. I, completely. I think. I think regardless, it's going to be either the Giants or the Dodgers. Which that imagine those two teams facing off at the end of the playoffs for the World Series too. Also, I'm pretty sure that today it was announced that the Adam Wainwright will be the starter for the wild card spot. Yeah, because Carter Bird tweeted in 2011. It's, it's 2011. Ten years ago, all over 2011? again. 2011. Well. But, Let's hope for me that my Braves can just clinch tonight and I don't have to worry about it while yeah, I'm down Yeah, your life's moves. a lot less stressful in the baseball world I than mean, mine. hey, look, it's Atlanta. It's Atlanta. But, if, you, if you lose the rest of your games, oh, God. Yeah. Well, and the big thing is, especially after the Ronald injury, nobody would have predicted John to win the division chance. or anything. I wouldn't have. Yeah. The Mets look good. Now they don't. I think there was that stat where they having like 100, not 100 wins, but being in the division lead for a long time, and now they have a losing record, there's some crazy sad about that. Because so. it's the, the Mets. The Mets. The Mets. Well, that's going to do it for Bay and I on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. If you missed any of today's show, make sure you find the podcast wherever you find podcasts and listen back. That's going to do it for us in the Bradley Basin studio. You're traveling to Baton Rouge. Safe travels and worry. You've been listening to The Scoreboard on 91.1 Weagle with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Listen every Thursday at 2 p.m. as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at weglfm.com. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram at wegl underscore au.